Did any of you have a have a, have have lights on a clapper growing up? No, no, I've no. never. You know, yeah, I feel no. like ma- maybe my grandma did. I don't think we did. I feel like it's, that's sort of a thing that only exists in movies as like a, a punchline, like in Duplex where they have the clapper off with the old lady. I feel like um, there was an episode of Mister Rogers' Neighborhood where he got one of those and was really excited true. about it. I've been to a lot of, like, when I'm house-sitting houses where the way their lamp works is there's no, like, button or dial. You just touch it, and that toggles between We had, yeah, we had a couple of those growing up, and those were always, like, where you just touch the metal on, like, Uh the, like, the thing around it. Yeah, the base. And, like, I guess that activated it or something. It was crazy, because it had, like, you know, and you could, like, set it to like a couple different brightness yes. settings yep. too just by touching the metal on it which was always very I feel like clappers are a thing that yeah. stopped existing after like the Motorola Razor came out yeah. you know it feels like a, a very like specific clapper joke in Bruce Almighty um, sure maybe I mean I'm I more of an Evan Almighty guy for clap on, eternity clap off the clapper clap on clap off That's welcome to can I kick it this is a podcast about film festivals my name is Jesse Catherine Weber, and I'm joined by uh, Andy Gramuga. Number one, Phillips Hughes stand, Colin Ashley. Emilio Diaz. All Phillips right. Hughes, of course, smart lights you control with your phone. Sure. Mm, yeah, with all the like colors. colors. You can change yeah, colors. Yeah. And stuff colors you can do it all. My engineering cool. teacher had one of those at one point and got really excited. Uh, yeah, we're, we got something a little different today. Uh, That's true, we did something we swore we would never do. Uh, some, <laughs> some people swore they would never do it. We've grown up. Yeah, I finally, uh, I finally pushed through, uh, we read some fiction. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there was a signed reading for this episode. Uh-huh, yep. Homework. Wait, those were fiction? Uh, well, <laughs> those were assigned? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so today we're going to talk, I mean, uh, just to uh, talk about what uh, led to this, I uh, just happened to be uh, on the same day that I saw Armageddon Time uh was reading George Saunders's new collection of short stories uh Liberation Day uh and had similar concerns about the way that they operated uh, and was like this might make a good episode to talk about these two things so we're going to try to do that uh I think Maybe we can start with the movie, and then I, I, you know, I was just reading the book, so I read the whole thing, but we did narrow down to, I guess, perhaps by this point we ought to have tweeted that uh, specifically the stories that we were talking about uh, from the collection are uh, The Mom of Bold Action, Love Letter, 
and Ghoul. Uh, all of which, yeah. uh, before being in this collection, appeared in The New Yorker, so you can read them on The New Yorker's website, or uh, if you have a library that has New Yorker backlog, you could go read them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he read them on their fiction podcast, uh, and... Uh, Stephen Colbert, of course you can, as Cullen's holding up, you can also just go physically retrieve the book. Is that hardcover, Cullen? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, there's, it's new. Oh, diamonds. Uh, (laughs) Rocked up. (laughs) All right, all right. Uh, and then also the other thing is that, uh, which I just happened to find out today as we're recording this, uh, from Saunders' newsletter, uh... This is also, how I consumed one of these stories. Yeah, he also had uh, Stephen Colbert read Love Letter at uh, Symphony Space in October, uh, which then he was also on Colbert like a week ago, and they talked about that a little bit, and he was saying that, like, oh, I thought the story was pretty good, and then I heard Stephen Colbert read, and I was like, wow, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, interesting. I didn't it's, to listen yeah. to it or watch it even. Yeah. Uh but so yeah. And, yeah. That's the agenda. Uh why don't we do I don't know. Do we want to just get into Armageddon time? I guess yeah, let's start with Armageddon time. I guess that's the, like the thing that most of our listeners have probably consumed in some way shape or form. Yeah. Uh at this point. Uh so it's a good place to start. Wait. Hold um, on. I just opened the news document and there's news. What is oh it? <laughs> I don't remember. Wow, this is this was wor- really worth interrupting you, Andy. Uh, mm-hmm. I according to Deadline, IFC Films has acquired North American rights to the TIFF uh surprise premiere Biosphere. Uh, debut of Mel Eslin uh, starring right, this Sterling is the K. One? Yep, starring Sterling K. Yeah. Brown and Mark Duplass uh, and no one else, sure. I believe, because they are the only people alive. Uh, the film is slated sure. for release in 2023 and will subsequently yeah. stream exclusively on AMC Plus. I was gonna say, yep. sounds like we got a future AMC Plus exclusive yep. coming, out my, coming out my way. You Although will the... I will I still be subscribed to AMC Plus uh, after my one year uh, deal uh, expires this month? You don't we'll think see. they're going to give you another one? You think they're finally yeah, going to cut you off? Like, Have six months. That that I mean I will go for that obviously, but like I don't know I don't want to pay like for the full price of a full year. I don't think. Sure, um, I don't think that's going to have to happen. But yeah, we'll, see. we'll see. And you know, if you're listening to AMC Plus. Uh, give Andy a little deal. And he'll yeah. keep it. He'll keep I'll pay ta- something. I just don't yeah. want to pay full price. And he'll keep talking about your wonderful service. Absolutely. He loves plugging your streamer. Mm-hmm. I do. They should really sponsor our podcast. It's a natural fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that would work. We would be down for that. Absolutely. I could just do, like, solo ad reads and, like, be honest. It'd be great. Be um, honest? What do you mean? <laughs> You're lying the rest of the time? <laughs> no, I mean, people in ad reads, I think, are often lying. Um, <laughs> oh, come on! Crazy. Don't say that! 
People in ad reads are often lying. <laughs> on podcast ad reads, you don't like often think like, oh, this person's full of shit about this. They don't actually like this or whatever. Literally never. Come I on. always believe everyone for everything they tell me. This is my You idea. don't think they're like sick of how many like pillows and stuff they've been sent or <laughs> what uh, podcast did he tell us? Uh, <laughs> I'm not thinking of any specific one. I can't think of the amount of pillows I would need to get sent before I started getting tired of them. I think Paul of loved can, every uh, single loot crate he got. I actually, I don't, I think the number of pillows where you would be like, this is too many pillows is actually not that high. I think like six or seven pillows you'd be like, please stop. I don't I got friends. Pillows. I got friends. Yeah, you got friends, you can resell them. Even Christmas gift. Resell. <laughs> a pillow, yeah. I gift. feel like, is just like... Secret Santa? It's a large... That's a large object to have a lot of them. You can... I mean, I'm thinking uh, a, a, a pillow for a podcast ad, usually there's some sort of gimmick to it. It's not going to sure. be like, you know, I'm just selling plain pillows right it's got like some special foam or yeah whatever, so i'll be like cooling technology you know yeah. enjoy up, this high-end pillow throw them up friend. on stock x <laughs> stock x i wonder i wonder if there is some like part of the contract when you sign a podcast ad deal that like you're not allowed to resell the items they send you i'm gonna give them out as gifts andy sure do you know like the Casper mattress thing where it like they do like the the 90 day free trial but right. if you're like but if you if you're actually like I don't like this, they'll just be like, "Well, forget it. Don't send it. Like, it's not worth it for us to like actually take." Yes, it back. I have heard this. That yeah, uh-huh. if you order a, a mattress and a box, I feel from a like podcast, they must. After, sometimes... They'll just leave on you and say, D- "Dispose of it yourself." I feel like they must. <laughs> don't tip me. I was gonna say. I feel like they they can't always do that. I feel like I'll there try has it. to be. <laughs> what do I have to re- lose? <laughs> <laughs> right. Either yeah, you have to yeah. send. Either you have to figure out sending a mattress back after ninety days, or you get a free mattress. I guess so. Yeah. I need a new one anyway. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, cut this like, out. Buy <laughs> it for content. Uh, <laughs> guy who tests uh, me like pointing on a YouTube thumbnail. <laughs> I sold this mattress after I bought it or refunded this mattress. <laughs> Let's talk about Armageddon time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> James um, Gray. Do we want to talk about James Gray a little first? I guess, yeah, sure. we've sort of batted around, like, let's do a James Gray episode, and it has never come to fruition. No. Uh, Cullen, you're the big fan, I believe, on the call. I mean, I don't want to tip um, my hand as to what I think of Armageddon Time, but I feel like he's maybe my favorite working filmmaker. <laughs> That's, I love to hear that. Um, I I guess my history is, uh, I had never heard of him, and then Lost City of Z came out, and a lot of people were talking about that one. Mm-hmm. So I went and saw it and uh, liked it, but, like, wasn't over the moon about it. Was not, like, this is, wasn't a part of the, like, this is the best movie of the year or whatever crowd. Um, and then I quite liked First Man. I was into well, that. Well, you mean that Ad was, Astra? Or, yeah, Ad Astra. Whoa! <laughs> you know what you're thinking of is Damien Chazelle interviewed Gray for DGA Pod for Ad Astra. Of course. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm thinking about. Thank so you, So that you're confused. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate your uh, your save there for me on that one. Um, but uh, yes, Ad Astra, I was really into. I thought that movie was like a blast and like thoughtful and had a really great Brad Pitt performance in a year where everyone's talking about another Brad Pitt performance I wasn't really responding to. Uh, and then... Um, 
And then, yeah, and then I saw Armageddon so Time. So you've never seen uh, anything pre-Lost City of I Z? I still have not seen anything lost. Yeah, pre-Lost City Whoa! Well, I know. So I've only I, seen one. I have a slightly similar trajectory, which is that I similarly... Maybe it like vaguely heard of him, but he mostly first came on my radar when Lost City of Z uh, was coming out. But the difference is that I, like right before it came out, did watch Two Lovers, which that movie I love. And then I saw Lost City of Z and was like, ah, that's whatever, Charlie Hennon's not a good actor. Uh, and then Ed Estra, I like but don't feel especially strongly about and have also not seen anything other than those yeah i saw city of z when it came out i guess around when it came out obviously i did not see it in theaters mm-hmm. whenever it was available on mm-hmm. amazon is that an yeah, amazon it was, amazon. Amazon. It was, it was funnily yeah. enough <laughs> Yeah, it was when uh, the New York Film Festival uh, gala slots right. were going to uh, Amazon movies left and right. And it's set in the Amazon. <laughs> right. That's true. Got, uh, you you made that joke already, Cutlet. You just had to underline, just underline it, now, it I guess. Yeah. yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, then I watched We Own the Night, and I liked it. And then I watched Ad Astra, and I liked it. And you saw Armageddon Time at Cannes. <laughs> and I saw it, Armageddon Time at Cannes. So you saw a yes. different version than we all saw. I feel like I am not yeah. 100% sure on that. I, I remember, I uh, so on the Little Gold Men podcast, David Canfield, I believe, said like there were substantial edits going on before the, was it New York where it first it came went back, back or Telluride? Uh, yeah. Or was it Telluride, I it think, was, was where it oh, maybe it was popped Telluride. up in the fall. Yeah. Which is um, weird, because that's not really a good place for that movie to play, I don't think. Yeah. And then, I have never heard anyone mention it since, and yeah. I have not yeah. and I, seen any reviews mention it. The so. same, I think. Is it interesting? Well, maybe we'll or if it changed, that. it wasn't significantly. Sure. So if sure, you are sure. someone who is familiar with whether there have been changes yeah, made to Armageddon Time, both and recognize a change, please let us know. Uh-huh. Um... Maybe I'll rewatch it when it comes out on VOD, and I'll let you know. It'll be out yeah. as we're recording this in like five days, I think. That's right. It, I think uh-huh. it's out as this episode drops. Maybe. Maybe. Our fr- yeah. I feel like I feel like it's next Tuesday. Yeah, oh, I, I guess it's Tuesday usually when they come out yeah. on, on digital. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, Tar. Yeah. Was it was Tuesday. funny. Yeah. It was funny watching it at Cannes because it was like the first big movie I saw at Cannes. And I was at the line in front of the arcade, and it was like, I I can either make this line and watch Armageddon Time, or I can wait and make the next line to watch Decision to Leave. And I just saw some people in line for this one that I sort of knew, so I was just like, whatever, I'll just go Armageddon Time, and I still have not watched Decision to Leave. Yep, we'll get um, to it. Yeah, yeah. I my, none of us have seen Decision to Leave. I don't yet. think so. No. Yeah. It's um, my brief. You know. History. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was just gonna say yeah, they're no, rolling did, it out a little weird. Go yeah, ahead. movie. Yeah, yeah. Do your um, gray, Cullen. Well, yeah. I saw. I feel like I I was a, made very aware of We on the Night when it was coming out, but didn't see it because I was young. 
And then similarly, just because I was like a fan of Joaquin Phoenix. Who's um, in We on the Night? Yeah, it's, it's Joaquin, Joaquin is Mark Wahlberg, who's the yeah. same as The Yards. Um, okay. It's also got Duvall. It's Duvall, uh, Mendez. it's their dad. It's, yeah, really, it's really good. That's an um, interesting cast, yeah. <laughs> and then I remember Two Lovers, weirdly, because it was the movie Joaquin was promoting when he did the big Letterman stunt. Where oh, he sure. went on in the beard. He was promoting oh. Two Lovers. And that people sort of mm-hmm. were expecting, like, after Cannes, where like it premiered, People were expecting huge things for Joaquin, and they say he tanked it. <laughs> um, and then um, sure. also sort of like when The Immigrant was coming out, I was like aware of it as a movie, but mm-hmm. not really – I would not really connected the dots that it was yeah, all the same Yeah, I guy. guess I must have also been aware of The Immigrant because I was like reading whatever film comic. Like AV Club or something, ta- yeah. T- by the time that – at the very least by the end of the year, I would have been aware yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I think saw the immigrant like uh, on Netflix instant. It was like an early Netflix instant movie, I think, mm-hmm. or maybe not too early because I guess it came out in twenty fourteen. Regardless, mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I I just remember that was the first one I saw. And then uh, saw Lost City of Zine theaters had a great time, similar uh, to Ad Astra, which I saw very bizarrely, which I don't often do. I did see it back-to-back days in theaters because uh, wow. I liked it. Uh, I was like, I gotta see this again. And uh, yeah, and uh, then, um, uh, you know, I uh, before Ad Astra, I had caught up um, on, uh, or sort of between, you know, the gulf of Lost City and Ad Astra, uh, mm-hmm. I'd seen the remaining films he had made, uh, except for Little Odessa, which I still haven't seen. Um, and then since then, even rewatched them all uh, say for the yards, um, and I, I, I just think he's uh, really great. I feel like um, more than most filmmakers, every single rewatch feels like incredibly rewarding. Uh, mm. I recently rewatched Lost City of Z, and was just like floored. Even though like I had loved it in the theaters, there's just so much that I think he does that you don't notice the first time, and it's yeah. like really perfect. And I think it's got a lot of uh, great performances. Yeah. Um, Briefly, his history with film festivals, though, he made Little Odessa, his first film, uh, won the Silver Lion at, or the, 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 yeah, the Silver Lion at Venice, um, for directing, I think? Um, Wow. He won some prize at Venice. Let me double check. Um, And then in in between Little Odessa and uh, Lost City of Z, all of those films play in competition at Cannes, which is Mm -hmm. The Yard's. Uh, we on the night, two lovers, and the immigrant, and then he gets back to Can right. with Armageddon time. Because there is, I feel like there were some quotes either after the immigrant played there, maybe when Lost City of Z didn't, or he was like, "I'm getting sick of these fucking French people premiering my movies. <laughs> they never give me any awards." Yeah, uh, that's and really so good. Then, I, I don't think that was his phrasing, but uh, sure. which is weird because I feel like you do think of like oh the friend the James Gray is like a classic like type of director that the French love, so maybe it is mm. less the the French don't respond though. I feel like he was talking about the critics more than the I I can't remember anyway. Sure, he expressed some displeasure. Uh, to the extent that it was, I think I probably said it was a little bit surprising when he popped back up. Also, just because it was unclear whether or not the movie was done. 
Right. But yeah, he did. And then, yeah, I guess it also, like, yeah, it's, like, release plan after, like, you know, it came out in, it was released, like, after, like, a fall festival run, so it's, like, right. interesting that, yeah, yes. he went back to Cannes and then was dormant for several months. I mean, year, until you then, know, like, it's yeah. not common that a movie uh, plays it can and then does not also do festivals. It's, like, a movie every year. Yeah. I feel like, um, sure. uh, but yeah, it, it just won a silver line, little does so, which sure, uh, it, it doesn't specify here, but uh, uh-huh. it was one of the ones that it won. But yeah, I mean, have I told my story about when I saw at Astra in theaters that when the movie ended, instantly two guys shot up, like one in the front, one in the back, and one of them was like fuck that and was laughing and then the other guy was clapping that's so funny <laughs> that's really good it is i mean ad astra is a real funny one because it's like was it the f- it was one of the first fox movies that disney had to release like it that was, was like yeah. on the calendar and it was like very clear like disney had no idea what to do with that thing like they uh-huh. were like what are we what what is this yeah and like i think i saw it in imax like they gave it like the it full a, like i mean yeah. prestige space I mean, movie i saw like, it yeah, i saw like, it at my local theater yeah like in my small six screen there was definitely talk of like i feel like it was like uh, people were like it was like test screening in like the fall of 2018 and then they were like mm. eh, no there's more stuff we gotta do there was talk of like What it sounds like ultimately happened is that there were maybe things that he wasn't happy about, but then also things that, like, the studio suggested where he was like, oh, yeah, maybe that is a good idea. So it's, like, it's in this, like, unclear space of, like, it is not, it's not clear how compromised it is, or if it's compromised, I feel like. But yeah, I think that yeah. movie is pretty good. Sure. I, I feel like he said semi recently on this press tour. He finally clarified, like, yeah, I'm trying to find the it. the 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 voiceover was a studio note, right? Like, but that, I think that it was, was on what a podcast. I was thinking of where he said like the voiceover was a studio note, but a one that I liked that I thought was a good right. idea, and that he's like happy with it, in the right? Film, I and I feel like but there's the, other things. I yeah. feel like I heard the ending changed a lot like i feel like there was a lot more tommy lee jones in the movie at one point is another thing i had heard yeah he said um he he just said that like uh the director's cut would have been shorter but there there would have been more scenes with ruth nega and donald sutherland Uh, Sutherland. interesting yeah i remember i remember nega being like people were like oh yeah there's a lot of her stuff on the cutting room floor uh-huh which it seems yeah it seems like it, like you are you're all saying that he sort of that was from the the uh uh-huh. the vulture interview with uh mm-hmm. past guest bill gabriel and then also um it's gray and jeremy strong uh it's a great interview i've been really after watching the movie i've just been going deep on all the the sort of anything i can see of like gray talking because he's like i don't know how much you all have experienced just like uh, there's a lot of great talkbacks that he does at uh, New York Film Festival, mostly with Dennis Lim. I believe the one for Lost City he does with uh, Kent Jones. Um, uh-huh. But he- I, I the reason I watch Lost City of Z is because I remember him being very funny and honest on like 
the big picture when that was coming yeah. out him like talking to fantasy him just being like yeah if this movie does poorly i might not like this is not gonna go be good for me like this is yeah. just a yeah. bad time he's like <laughs> in the podcast he did peter labuza's podcast in like 2013 or 14 wow. I feel like. sure uh, i mean it seems like he likes to talk he, he likes loves to talking like, yeah. he's a yeah. great talker yeah. uh <laughs> all of his commentaries are great he does a lot of great impressions uh, in that Lost City of Z uh, NIF talkback, he's like, you know, Brad Pitt gave me this book, and he's like, hey, Jimmy Jam, take this book, baby, let's <laughs> let's go to the jungle, and he, like, does that for everybody, and it's just so perfect. I feel like uh, on the Two Lovers commentary, he does a really funny Joaquin Phoenix impression, um, and they, I mean, they're, they, they're, the, the one for the immigrant, it's just him, Joaquin... And Dennis Lim and Joaquin's like putting his sunglasses on, not talking into the microphone. And James Green's like, "What an asshole!" <laughs> really like giving it to him. That's He's like, "This great. guy's brilliant, but he won't tell anyone." He's like, "You schmuck!" And like, just sort of talking to him. Um, but yes, Arm- Arm- Armageddon time. Yeah. Um, I quite liked it. I will say, I, um, I. <laughs> I was, like, five minutes late or something. I, I came in at the beginning and, like, had missed a few minutes. I don't know if... Mm. I came in and, like, the, the principal was yelling at the kids and, like, t- keeping them from going to gym class or whatever. So I don't know if I missed another mm, scene just before teacher. that. It's not the principal. Yeah, he's, he, yeah. Or, he's just the teacher, a, yeah. You just sort of missed how he get in trouble for the first time and, like... Right. Yeah. Um, Which I assume, like, it, is what follows, like, is pretty much in line with what happened in yeah, the beginning. Yeah, he's just, like, sort of... You get a little bit. There's there's a little yeah. bit of stuff there. But yeah, um, he's kind of a silly guy. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Kind of but a like, James I know, Bray like, type. Sure. So true. Um, the uh, I mean, the movie like they've really had a hard time marketing this movie. I feel like yeah, I do like, want to talk real, about this. <laughs> a real challenge. Like the trailer sure. was, people were like, "What is this?" And then the poster's kind of nothing. And like, there's like a lot of like issues with that. So, but I was so I wasn't totally sure what to expect. It had gotten like, I guess like. There were some very positive notices out of can, but then a lot of mixed ones also. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, uh, and then it didn't so, yeah. win an award again. Right. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, like, it's like, I think, like, you know, it's just, like, a great showcase for, like, a lot of actors playing, like, really interesting characters and, like, mm-hmm. having opportunities to go big in interesting ways, I think, like... Uh-huh. almost all the performances are like really big in a way uh-huh. that like is still very like managed and like controlled mm-hmm. very well by by him and then like yeah it like you know it gets into extremely <laughs> interesting and thought-provoking thematic material uh as it goes on um you, you it gets more i i mean i under like i there's certainly people out there who are like feel like it doesn't do it in a in an, in maybe I, I don't know if it, they don't think it does it in, in an uninteresting way or but in just like a pat right. way or like so, a way that like i mean i can start uh, th- this yeah. is why i was kind of thinking about this in this context is like i do i mean it is like as soon as the premise of the movie of like oh it's about this kid who uh is friends with a black kid and then there's a tumult and it goes yeah. badly for the black kid immediately people were like come on you, you even if yeah. you're james gray you can't do that and so mm-hmm. i think my 
initial reaction to the movie was like, I think the stuff that he's doing with, uh, like, the stuff that he's doing with, like, dealing with his, like, family's racism and, like, the way that, uh, they're sort of weird, uh, sort of, like, his parents being in the sort of first generation of Jews that are sort of, like, not unoppressed people that are, like, more, uh, ba- you know, basically have the privileges of being white. Uh, yeah. I-, I was like, that's interesting, but the way that he's using, uh, this other character, the, uh, Johnny, Johnny. the kid who he's friends yeah. with, I'm just like, uh, I... I don't know. Uh, and then I think I have sent, as I've been sitting on it, been like, more like, no, I do think that, like, that is what it's about. And, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there, I don't know. The thing that I keep kind of coming back to is that I do, I feel much better about it than I did, like, right after having seen it. I, I also like the. I feel like the the specifically the end of that character still kind of sits weirdly with me, uh, but yeah. anyway, the it 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 I I get I am much more interested in what he's doing. I do st- I I just feel I think the kind of thing is that is still troubling is just like I don't I don't want to be like ah, James Gray just can't make this movie, but there is still a part of me that feels like. I don't know if there's a way to make this movie where he's not just engaging in, you know, white guilt and, like, being, uh, without just, like, e- even if he, I, I think he is examining that, interestingly, but it's kind of, like, e- to examine it, because he is, uh, because of that's what his background is, he kind of does just have to engage in it, in a way that, like, I don't know. And then I think the sort of classical filmmaking that is sort of what he has been known for is, like, it ends up being an interesting way to engage with that, but also one that just, like, even more puts people off uh, with dealing with that topic, I think. Yeah, I think, like, Amy was saying the marketing was weird. I think it really got unfairly... um set up by the marketing and even like you're saying this sort of initial premise as we received it uh-huh. it's like that is how the movie is sold but that's not what the movie is about I mean, and i feel it's like it's not but it is kind of like that is there is a lot of other stuff that is going on yeah. that i really like but that is what ends up being like what the climax of the movie it's how the movie starts sure. it's how the movie ends to the sure. extent that the movie has a plot, that is what the plot of the movie revolves around. That's true, is this I guess. relationship it's... with uh, this kid falling apart. Yeah, but I, I, I guess that that is true. But it's more that it's um, like uh, it's just it's like too elliptical. I think to like give um, to like fit as like a traditional what that movie would be, to where it's like off kilter. Where I feel like I've seen sort of complaints about um or not complaints just uh people taking issue with the fact that the johnny character is like so um 
small in its own way, even though I do think that uh, that actor Jalen Webb gives a really I good agree. performance and like yes. has like yeah, a really, really tough terrific. part to play. Like even uh-huh. at, at my most loving, it is still just like uh, a hard thing to like. I like I can't imagine doing it as an actor, but even more so as like a child actor, and he handles it with like more than a plum. And mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of those scenes. Uh, are really elevated by what he is bringing to it uh, that Gray can't just as a writer. Um, right. And, like, um, I think one thing that did, like, help me is you were talking about uh, Bill's interview with Gray, but I think even just in his review, talking about how, like, there is an element of, like, it is uh, just sort of an aesthetic part of the film that, like, it's it's not necessarily James Gray as a writer not being able to see that character as a full person in retrospect, because right. I think he more can. It is more the, the child who is the point of view yeah. of the movie not being able to see that character as a full person. Yeah. Right. Which is I mean, yeah, like, it... I don't know. It, sure. Yeah. yeah. I do, like, I think, yeah, I think the act, the performance is really good. And I think, like, and he handles a lot of tricky material well, and I really like the way he talks about, like, his brother in the Air Force and everything. How I think, excited like, he is about There's, like, yeah, there's a lot in there that I like, and I, but I do, like, it is kind of uninterested in, like, what his living situation is, uh-huh. ex- apart from how it impacts, like, the story. Yes. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, like, what his family life is like. Like, there's a lot of unknowns there, certainly, in, in terms of that character. But, but it is also a function of, like, yeah, like the the, the whatever his name is, the the other kid, um, Paul Paul Graf. Paul yes, Paul Graf yes, playing, played by Banks Rapetta, which is a fun name. Yeah, um, uh, who also I think is also very good. Yeah, we'll talk about how good um, he is. In Banks. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, he he, yeah he he doesn't have that much. I mean, he's a kid, right? He's not gonna. He doesn't right. inquire that much yes. about, yeah. like, the inner life of anyone outside of himself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, that's the thing, is, like, uh, yes, that's very much also the the case with, like, uh, Jeremy Strong and uh, Anne Hathaway's characters. Yeah. I think, uh... With the exception of that last monologue that Strong gets. Sure. Um, I, I, I think that, um... Gray has said as well that he was like, uh, he, he couldn't even begin to like write what, uh, you know, the interior life of this kid right. would have been like, yes, it, that it, like how far it, not his place it is. And he sort of uh-huh. not waffles, but he talks about how it's like, um, that he's just sort of presenting a window of time, but mm-hmm. it just sort of happens to be through his yeah. eyes and through these stories that he had apparently been like regaling telling his kids uh these stories of his childhood and like uh you know becoming sort of more uh uh nostalgic you know i guess as you get older and like thinking about Mm -hmm. these things and then like this kid that he apparently had a real like relationship with and they Mm -hmm. the story as it goes in the movie is they stole a computer from Uh uh the uh private school that paul goes to and then johnny is the one who takes the fall and is arrested um, yeah. in real life, it was just that they, like, stole some toy from a toy store, um, in a mall, and, like, mall security detained them, um, uh-huh. and then he was like, I've never, I never saw this kid again, mm. um, which I think, like, in the movie, 
when Strong says that, it's just like, you'll probably never see him again. And it's like really crazy to like have to it reckon is. with that. And it's like yeah. a really, mm-hmm. I think, uh, just like a, a really well delivered. I mean, I think that monologue is really great. Um, I, I, I think uh, Strong like yeah. is so good. Well, it's cr- it, the Strong performance is crazy because like, it is just like Ray Romano for so long. <laughs> well, he sounds and, like, exactly is... like James Gray, basically. Sure. Uh, like an um, old version of James Gray. And apparently, right. like, he... This is just... I, I watched this vi- these videos, of these interviews, where they, they repeated this fact that Jeremy Strong mm-hmm. <laughs> requested uh, James Gray film his father, who died, like, two months before Can. Right. Um, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so his dad never gets to see it, and Gray yeah. is, like, so candid, he's like, I think I'm happy that he didn't see it, um, because sure, it right. is, like, a warts and all movie mm-hmm. in its own right. way. Yeah, um, for sure. But he, he uh, he's, like, st- strong, has Gray record his father answering this Proust questionnaire <laughs> of, like, these questions that are asked, oh, and then Jeremy Strong used that video <laughs> to become this character. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, and that's sort of what I, my point was, like, it is a little interesting, like, you're like I was sort of laughing as like is this like enough for Jeremy Strong to do like where I guess he is at that weird point where he hasn't really like super broken out outside of Succession or whatever and then you get to that yeah that last scene which is oh, just like I so bone chilling yeah. and like incredibly delivered and like like mm-hmm. thematically like the like you know the heart of the movie I guess mm-hmm. like it's like the, yeah, the, the, the thesis, the thesis statement of, yeah. but uh-huh. um yeah I think he's yeah. so good throughout i think there's a lot that he plays well this sort of simmering rage um mm-hmm. they uh, the belt scene is very scary the belt scene is like mm-hmm. i mean i was like weeping when it happened it's uh just the them on the stairs after hathaway's like wait till your father hears about this and then he's just like wait what like what do you mean don't tell him obviously mm-hmm, and then yeah. it's like him sprinting into the house sprinting upstairs hiding in the bathroom and, like, the level of Strong just, like, getting louder and louder, mm-hmm. breaking down the door. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's crazy. Um, and apparently, like, they talk about that uh, Gray's like, my dad, you, like, he went harder. Uh, but I think I didn't have enough time to make people like Jeremy Strong again at the end. Right. Or, like, have yeah. any sort of, not like him, but sort of just... Yeah, like, he he would have gone too far out of this like, abusive home. Yeah, like, like yeah, it, right, it would have yeah. been not right. pretty. Um but I, I think that um, my, my, one of my favorite scenes of his is after uh, the grandfather dies mm-hmm. and they're outside. Uh, it's like the mom or it's, it's Anne Hathaway and her mom at the grave. And then mm-hmm. uh, Paul, the brother and stronger in the car. And he's like, he was the only one of your mother's family that was kind to me. He's like, he showed me a compassion that like they did not. He's like, because my dad was a plumber, and he's like, now I have to fill that role. And it, like, mm-hmm. is part of this whole movie as they are, like, you two kids being James Gray and his brother in the movie uh, are, like, the, we are doing everything we can to make sure that you mm-hmm. continue our legacy. <laughs> We're, like, putting all of our chips on you. And how it uh-huh. sort of all trickles down where it's, like, you get Gray has it in that, or uh, uh, Strong has it in that scene where he's like, now I have to fill like the sort of patriarchal role of the mm-hmm. family, and it's so crazy to reckon with. Uh, it's I, I just I, I think there's like a lot of moments like that of like this yeah. really sort of harsh vulnerability that uh, mm-hmm. Gray I think is sort of a master of. Yeah. Right. Um, 
And I guess this is a good point to pivot to bringing up Hopkins, which mm. I think is like sure. obviously the standout. My, yeah, my favorite in the movie. I think is like the if you talk to mo- most people who are like yeah. into the movie, that he is. I feel like the people, the one like people, even people that don't are. like it still. Yeah, are like, well, at least Hopkins. I mean, yeah, um, he's great. Yeah, and I think like it is just like yeah, a, an incredible performance as a guy who like to the kid to Pete right is like Paul. Paul, excuse me. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna do this a bunch. Probably it's gonna be a whole run. <laughs> it's gonna be a different name every time now. Um, uh, uh, to Paul is um, is like a god. Like he's like so. Like mm-hmm. he's so. He's like a larger than life like figure of pure good mm-hmm. in his uh-huh. life. And like you, he has like every like heart to heart he has like is like he's like imparting like a beautiful like piece of wisdom. And then I think like you do step away from the movie and you think about mm-hmm. the things that, like, aren't depict like, the way that he did, like, put Paul in the other school and, mm-hmm. like, all that yeah. sort of... stuff. Like, like, it was my decision. Like, like... Right, yeah. There's all this other stuff, I think, of, like, what you don't see but that you can read between the lines and have there that I think, like, really, like, it is a tremendously, like, complicated character that is, uh-huh. like also depicted as, like, pure good throughout the film, which I think is just, yeah. like, a wonderful, like, balancing magic trick, like, um, of, of, of a character. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's, like, I do think, like, and the, and the way that, like, his, like, deteriorating health is depicted as something that, like, he doesn't get to see or realize until all of a sudden it's, like, he's in the hospital bed or whatever. Mm-hmm, like, yeah. I think the way that, the, yeah, th- that the movie handles all that stuff right. is just, like, tremendous and, like, just, like, well-told, like, just, like, how you do, like, interesting POV storytelling. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's so much happening in this world outside of the POV that you uh-huh. are invested in. Uh, but, um, and, it, and I think everything that he does with, with the grandfather character with that is, like, really fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and, like, there is, there's enough that you're getting of him where I do feel like before it happens, I was, like, oh, this feels like the way he would be behaving if he, like, actively knew he did not have that much more time with his grandson. So, like, it did not surprise me, but I agree that it still does do a good job of, like, staying in uh, Paul's point of view. The other thing is that, so that most of the casting is pretty... So the movie was almost made either early COVID or before COVID, I feel like, and most of it's pretty clear. Hathaway is the one who carried over. Uh, Oscar Isaac was going to be the dad, and Kate Blanchett was going to be Marianne Trump. But the one that is still (laughs) not clear to me is that there were two old men in the original cast. It was both Robert De Niro and Donald Sutherland is going to be in it. Which I assume mm. means one of them was going to be Fred Trump. The Hopkins, and it right. is yeah, a weird sure. thing of, like, <laughs> given their statues as actors, like, the size of that role right. makes more sense to give Fred Trump to Donald Sutherland and have uh, Robert De Niro be the grandfather. But I would be very mm-hmm. curious to hear what it would be, because right. I actually, I think the other way around probably would have been better. <laughs> Is better. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. I, I guess are know. there obviously are there old men great. like uncles or anything that like one. There's of them like another been, guy because uh, there's right. a sort could, of aunt who's like I get yeah. these kiddish cups. They have the names on the bottom. Right. Um, but there's not. Has someone with her. 
there's but there's not, not a substantial character. Right. right. There's right. not one of them. I wonder, but like, I wonder if one of them was more substantial at that maybe. point. It was one. Yeah, maybe. he certainly could. I have, don't know. Yeah, he certainly could have changed the script around at some point. Yeah. But yeah, I um, that just yeah, that question has been stuck in my head. Yeah. Yeah, the Fred Trump scene is really uh, crazy. He, yeah. Looks that so guy crazy, is good. but he looks like he looks like Fred. I Trump mean, well, yeah, does, Fred Trump. Like, there's a picture so of him where he looks like right. the dictionary definition of scary ghost. And right. this guy is like, well, before he died, this is what he looked like. <laughs> um, and I mean, he still looks crazy. He's got like that yeah. crazy hair, the thin mustache. Um, it, it's funny that that I've I just through listening to those interviews. Um, Gray has talked about the Marianne Trump speech where he's like, I remembered it this one way that it like she talked about how she had to like pull herself up by her bootstraps and like climb her way to the top. This sort of speech she gives. And he's like, at the time, I was like, this is such bullshit. Like (laughs) you you're on like this the board. You get all this money like you haven't worked for anything. Um, And he like asked his brother to like. He was like, do you remember that Trump and uh, the Trump speech that she gave? And he was like, yeah, I remember it, like, vividly. And they, he wrote it down. And he was like, my brother's was exactly what mine was. So wow. I felt comfortable including yeah. it. And, uh, that, I mean, he really goes, like, they say Trump, like, eight times or something I mean, in that yeah, seat. He, like, I feel like, yeah, it's, like, not he, subtle, but I think it's yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, the Hopkins stuff, I do think, I mean, he plays the kindness so well where he keeps calling him jelly bean he's right. he's, he's always like be a mensch and like yeah the be a mensch speech especially when he's just like when he can't get off the bench at all when he's yeah. at the end mm-hmm. i think it's so good mm-hmm. yeah that i mean but then the, the thing that i also in these interviews great keeps saying is like presenting the idea that people can be both uh oppressor and oppressed at the same exact time uh-huh. and like uh-huh. not realize it and it's like hopkins's role is so or his character is so um, scarred by the Holocaust and is like, we have to like mm-hmm. trying to toe the line of like we have to keep our guard up. Um, we we like we can't be found out. That's why we changed our name and right. are sending you to this like mm-hmm. waspy school. <laughs> yeah. But also like you have to. Yeah. The way he says like they were they wanted to kill her. Like I think it's so, it's like, so that scene it. is mm-hmm. yeah. so crazy where he talks yeah. about that. And I, I mean. Uh, there, I, I've heard Gray say before that he was like, uh, I think talk, when talking about the immigrant, he was like, my grandparents would always talk about the old country, and he's like, my grandma saw like her family beheaded in front of her. I don't know what there is to go back to, and like in this, it's a similar thing where it's like mm-hmm. I, 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 they talk about that the grandparents were like stabbed, or, or her parents were like stabbed in front of her. Um, and Hawkins is just sort of like plainly saying this, and then it's got that sort of great. I think there's a lot of um, uh, uh, like Hollywood almost it reaches uh, moments where there's like the fantasy moments where he's in uh, the Guggenheim and he's like right having this almost like Christmas story like everyone loves my art that I made. Right. And I the I was and there's one at the end too where I was like, oh this Hawkins is like almost to, yeah. like Mike Millsy is what I was yeah. thinking of. That's a yeah. Um that's a good touch point. But he also um in that scene it's like 
he has like the nightmare with his sheets pulled up where he's like hearing all the quotes of like what everyone has said yeah. and like all this pressure that he's feeling before going to bed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think that um, I, I think Hopkins really I mean, it's like you were saying, it's that scene where he's like I told them to like, get you in this school it is the sort of, mm-hmm. he can mm-hmm. do horrible things uh, but right. also like what is he doing it for, you know it's this sort of whole uh-huh. question of the movie I guess Yeah Um, Do we want to talk about uh, Banks Repetta at all? And Hathaway, even. I mean, Hathaway's right. Great I guess, also. yeah. I do think, yeah, Hathaway's good, especially, yeah, that early scene where he is like being a real so and so, and like is ordering dumplings while yeah. like the dinner <laughs> right. is happening. Dumpling suckers. Yeah, and like I, like I, like you're totally on the parents' side in that scenario, sure. being a little shit. Yeah, and, like, I mean, being so I think, annoying. Yeah, and, like... much of the movie, you like this. Guy, this kid's kind of a shit. You know, the yeah. parents are just also kind of shits. Sure. But, like, yeah, and, like, how she has that, like, play... Like, she can do, like, the playful, like, rough rough housing with him and stuff. Uh-huh. And, like, is is very, like, physically affectionate towards him. Mm-hmm. But then also, like, yeah, that, you know, the scene in where she picks him up from school after uh-huh. when she's, like, you're not to associate with him again. And, like... Uh-huh. Yeah. And also, like, yeah, I think the way... You know, again, I'm really harping on this POV stuff, but like the way that he views her as like all powerful because she's the president of the PTA or whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, he thinks he's like, you run the school, right? Can right. You get this yeah. Fired? And she's like, what do you think I do? <laughs> <laughs> right. I think that's like, yeah, it, that's right. such a childhood thing of like, oh, my mom yeah. is on so and so committee yeah. or whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. So we're like super rich and also like she can like. She has, like, I can never get in trouble at this school because, like, my yeah. mom is, like, gonna get me <laughs> right. out of it or whatever. Yeah. And like, then I think and... the, the thing that happens at the end of the movie is that uh, it is, like, a very accurate portrayal of just, like, the ways in which a when uh, a parent just kind of, like, can't function as a parent when they are dealing with the loss of their own parent. And so as a function of that, she does kind of disappear from the end of the movie. I feel like yeah. he has talked about, like, I maybe want to do more with Anne Hathaway playing with my mom, uh, playing my mom in That's another movie. That is interesting. Because she, I feel like... like, I think she died much younger. Uh, she had, died, like, like, in the 80s, I think, of, like, right. brain cancer. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like he said, like, I put in a few references to that. She, like, just, is like, like, ugh, my head. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, I maybe want to also do that as a movie. That's really interesting. Um, uh huh. Yeah, I, I think yeah, Hathaway. I think he and Strong are both very similar actors. I feel like they're both very earnest and very sincere mm-hmm. and very uh, committed to like the craft of acting and the sort sure. of. Like really, like mm-hmm. giving life to their characters in a right, similar yeah. way. That a lot of really... like external yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. that they do. Yeah, mm-hmm. that I think really meshes well with Gray's sort of classical mm-hmm. style. And like, I, I don't. I feel like both of them. I could you know hear people sort of talk about the the broadness of it, but I think it just works yeah. uh-huh. so well. And I think like that scene where he does end up ordering the dumplings. 
um, sort of plays into the th- or, or is like a great demonstration of what I think the movie does so well, where it is. It can just be like a normal situation. Everyone's ready for dinner. And it's not that it is even like building up and up and up. It's sort of like at a point it can just snap and someone can be like too mad. And it's like, I think Strong like smacks the table and he's like yelling at, you know, Paul. And then Mm -hmm. after that, it's just like, do we want these leftover dumplings? And Strong's like, yeah, I'll I'll eat them. Don't throw them away. (laughs) And it's like, it can Uh just be like a night. Like, I don't want to, you know be too revealing, but I feel like a night with your family where you're, like, having mm-hmm. dinner and a blow-up argument happens, and then later on you're just yeah. sort of, like, right. back to normal. There's the mundane of the leftovers to yes. deal with. Yes, It, it yeah. can just happen like that. And I think yeah. he captures it with these sort of broad strokes in a way where, like, I feel like, um... I, I was having a conversation with our friend Daniel, who's been on the show before, and he was sort of talking about how all these characters... Uh, are supposed to represent broad groups in a way. And I think it is able to do that, play these broad things that are sort of uh, recognizable by all, but also play the intimacy of it well Uh and play the sincerity of it really well. And I I just was like, it was one of those things where I like watched it and I enjoyed it. It had these really affecting moments. And then like, as I was talking about it, it sort of has like (laughs) been snowballed. And I'm like, I think about this movie like, so often since in the days that I've seen, I just sort of am enamored with it. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to think. Sort yeah. of, I mean, I do want to say it looks incredible. Um, he worked with Darius Kanji again, who he did um, The Immigrant and uh, Lost City with maybe right. another another I one. But so. Ad Astra was a sort of break and they're back yeah. together. And it's his first on digital, uh, mm. which I think was sort of... I know, yeah, this is, I mean, I think it's a byproduct of, like, COVID and sort of mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. cheaply it was made, but um, I think it looks incredible. There are, like, these huge sweeping crane shots that they use. There's um, a really sort of, like, great dip down and up trajectory that the camera follows a few times. I think... Um, All the stuff in the Guggenheim, I think. The Guggenheim part is gorgeous, yeah. Mm -hmm. And when they're just, like, running around the city, um, there's also this moment uh, at the end where he's, like, he is walking out of the school, and then it sort of does these, like, flashbys of these empty rooms that are in this house, and this broad message of, like, what are we leaving behind? This room is just empty. There's no people in it. They're all dead. Like, this thought in your head, but also just the technical move of it uh there's a scene in the lost city of z where after all these sort of failed expeditions or not failed but to less success than he would have hoped for expeditions uh you know charlie hunnam and tom holland are finally going off uh at the end of the movie and like saying goodbye to their family and it's this gorgeous moment where like ravel is playing in the background and it's this really great piece and they get on a train uh and they're like, look, follow, like all these people are here to like see us off, and it's this beautiful moment. And as the train is going by this uh, station, it does this same exact move of these rooms. But in the in Lost City of Z, you see like Sienna Miller and the other children like sleeping in their respective rooms. But it is just this same trick that he uses, and it was a really like rewarding thing to have just rewatched Lost mm-hmm. City of Z, and then I get this sort of payoff in uh, Armageddon time. Um, I, 
Emilio, I mean, you obviously it's been a while since you saw it. I'm I'm curious, and you talked about it pretty extensively uh, in your in your can uh, discussions. But how has it like changed for you over time? Have you been thinking about it or anything, or is it like has it sort of been dormant in your in your mind since since you initially saw it? I'd say it weirdly hasn't changed. Yeah. I really feel the same way I feel about it when I watched it mm-hmm. that I do now. Maybe if I rewatched it, I would have a sort of different outlook on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm mostly steady. I guess I've thought about certain aspects, and I do think, like what we're doing with the stories, did made me make me think about the movie in a slightly different uh-huh. light. But I, uh-huh. I think it sort of come out to the same end of just like, because when Jesse pitched this episode and told us to read these stories it was sort of like an interesting like way to dissect white guilt mm-hmm. and i read a couple of the stories and then i watched and i thought about armageddon time and i like more my takeaway was more like oh i mean i was i don't necessarily think the Saunders stories are specifically about whiteness so much as a sort of yeah. more general well yeah, yeah, yeah well i think it's like I think what I thought about is just this conversation or just like I get this is sort of circular conversation I've been having in my mind of just like is it possible to do an apology without it being an excuse Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. when you think about a movie like Armageddon Time it's a movie that I like a thousand percent buy but I just don't know if it's just like what I want, like I I just don't know like if what it's selling is really right. that appealing to me. I think it's like occasionally brilliant. I basically think every time uh, Jeremy Strong does something, it's like that. I think that's like the best performance anybody's given this year. Maybe it's, it's like very strong to me. I think that scene that Colin talks about after the funeral is I think my favorite yeah. scene in the movie. Also, just like a very just like intelligently absurd thing of just like growing old is like learning that your parents actually do know things and why they choose or don't choose to behave certain ways is a reflection of their ignorance as much as it's a reflection of just like sort of being beaten down or just like where their personalities have settled over time and it's like sad and it's scary but it's also like interesting every other performance is like I I find the I find the Hopkins just a little too magical. I I I true it just like I never sort of got to the I like I understand that it's sort of a point of view thing of just like how Paul views his grandpa but I still was just sort of felt it a little cloying. Uh Hathaway's pretty good. The kids are like kids. It's like it's one of those things where it's just like impossible to tell like I feel I feel like they're a little stunted and weird, but maybe that's just like sure, they're kids. They're 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 not the most like fluid, fast talking people around. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, the the, ba- the and way it's just like when, talks, I do think feels pretty, uh, like the way that kind of that kind of kid which was you know the kind of kid that i was for the most part talks i think 
Yeah. Yeah, and it's like obviously I'm playing in like a little bit of a classical zone. Like mm-hmm. it's a, he, like he's a guy where I can watch this movie. I'm like, hey, he probably looks like Frank Capra or whatever. Like he, <laughs> th- there is sort of like that energy to it. So I, I'm not even asking for the movie to like play a thousand percent realistically because it's not what the cinematography or any of the performances are doing. But I don't know. I I, I I truly just find the whole Johnny thing a little frustrating. Like, it is. I think, yeah. I I think the like who gets the whatever the opposite of the benefit of the doubt of is of just like being elusive and unknowable is just sort of like a frustrating thing to like like come up against over and over in movies, and I think while all everything around it in this movie is probably better than a lot of the movies that try to do this thing i I sort of just like feel them feel it circling the drain and sort of arriving at the same end point with regards to that character yeah and i don't know i don't think we have to stop talking about armageddon time but it i i maybe now is a good time to uh Mm. just even just introduce george saunders i don't know uh what uh, how familiar any of you are with him. We haven't really talked about it, but I'll just assume yeah. that our listeners mostly aren't, uh, unless you... I mean, you know, he is, I think, one of the more famous uh, American short story writers alive mm-hmm. today, right. but, like, he's I an mean, American... that's what kind of a category right. is that. He is, or, yeah, yeah that's the he's thing. an American <laughs> short story writer. And he did, I think, kind of have a little bit of a breakout of that with uh his first novel which was in 2017 uh lincoln and the bardo which like won the man booker prize and like he Mm -hmm. you know like i think uh, you know you get the impression that uh colbert is a big fan of him he has a lot uh lincoln and the bardo is uh has a full cast because a lot of it is written uh, in, like, almost a play type of format, and so, like, Nick Offerman right. is in it, and David Sedaris is in it, so he is... The audiobook is, like, in, in, in like, every role is, like, very impressively cast, right? It, like, has, like, uh, most of them, yeah, like, Bill Hader's everyone, in it, yeah. uh, yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, there's, so there's the parts that are that, and then there's also parts that, I, there's long sections of the book that are excerpts from various texts actually uh about lincoln at the time and so those are more read by like just uh his family members i think but anyway so he is he is as much of a sort of celebrity as a writer can be nowadays which is not uh but anyway I, and you're right. Of course, uh, there there have been a few adaptations Who, of Colin? his work. I think Joseph Kaczynski's Spiderhead. Yep, that's oh, uh, the based smash off hit of, adaptation. Uh, of, uh, it's on my watch list. I haven't gotten to it yet. It's I mean, okay. solid. I guess. I like Hemsworth. I mean, He's good in it. It's a little stinky. Uh yeah, and I mean like that that if I that is like the last one of his stories that uh, I would pick to adapt. So I. I think I got into him, like, a year or so before Lincoln and the Bardo came out, just like, oh, I've heard that these stories are good. There was a thing for a long time where, like, a bunch of people were trying, uh, so Civil War Land and Bad Decline is his first collection, and the title story from that 
is about this, like, amusement park that's like a Civil War thing. And that has been a little less prevalent, but a thing that has stayed throughout his work is these, like, weird, like, sci-fi amusement park or otherwise, like, people, like, placed into these, like, weird hells of performance. Uh, And there's one of the things that... (laughs) great. (laughs) <laughs> right. So he's done that a lot. And, like, I think I maybe first heard of him because Civil Warland and Bad Decline, like, Ben Stiller really wanted to direct that and had, like, a bunch sure. of people try to write a screenplay. Like, I think he had Charlie Kaufman on it at one point. He got Dan Harmon on it at one point And just, like, sure. no one could figure it out. Uh, but anyway, so I just, like, read that and then, like, ran through all of his short stories, which, like... Uh, 10th of December was his last short story collection before this one, and that is the one where I think he most moved away from that type of story. I think it came back a little more in this one, but then there's a lot Mm -hmm. of very grounded ones in this one. Uh, Sure. And so, yeah, I mean, like, the... To talk about the first... uh, story, which is the title story, which I didn't, uh, was just trying to narrow down what people would have to read, and that one is, uh, the longest and, like, borderline a novella, but that I was reading in, like, so that is another one of the, like, sci-fi things. The premise of that is that it is told from the point of view of this guy who... I I can't even remember what... He does the thing where, like, when he's doing the science fiction, he has the very specific words where he uses. But basically what you eventually figure out about this guy who's narrating it is that he came into some sort of, like, him and other people who he's doing this with came into, like, some sort of disastrous money thing where it was just, like, he couldn't get out of it or, like, had a person who he needed to support and couldn't. And so what he did was that what they they had their memories removed and ba- they just sit in this room all day and this rich guy uses them as voices for this these performances that he's doing. And so that is like the that was the, that is I think maybe the toughest of the like ones to parse of just like this guy does not even realize that this is the situation that he is in because as part of it, he's had his memory removed and they do start to come back at the end. But, like, he does not... He he is... The, the narrator for most of the story is, like, incapable of understanding the, the oppression uh, to which he is being submitted. Uh, and so then, I think, to go through the ones that we talked about... I think the mom of bold action, which is the second story in the collection, when we did all read, uh, Clara, it, you know, that is, I think there are very much, like, specific critiques in that, like, it is a, you know, satire of, and that is, it, it's said in the present, it is very much like a satire of, sort and dealing with, um how we think about justice and policing and things right. like that, but it also mm-hmm. very much clarifies in a way that comes through in the rest of the collection that, like, a lot of these are also 
about how we narrativize things. The Mom of Bold Action is specifically about a writer uh, right. who is uh, who is a mom and her son is attacked and then uh, they there's and these she becomes two, fixated on justice. Right, she becomes yeah. fixated on justice. They can't figure out who attacked her son because there's these two guys who they pick up who turn out to be cousins. It's, you know, it's like, it is yeah. very much, it, it is grounded for him, but it does still feel exaggerated in a lot of ways because that's yeah. what he does. Uh, but anyway, it that kind of becomes about, like, a essay that she writes spurs her husband to commit an act of violence against one of these men yeah. who yeah. turns out to not be the guy who attacked her son. Yeah. And so it, it kind of becomes clearly a story about, like, you know, it, it starts to feel like, oh, this is about his anxiety as a writer of, like, what is the purpose of a writer... Uh, what are the responsibilities of a writer in a way that is, like, really interesting. And then that carries through the rest of the collection, I think. Mm. Sure. Yeah. Uh, to give just... A, I have sure. a very minute amount of previous experience with George Saunders, which is, like, I tr I started Lincoln and the Bardo, like, uh, like I got it as an ebook at some point after, mm -hmm. like, people were talking about it, like, it was a thing uh -huh. that, like, people were really, like, it, that was a book that people were, like, right. this book, like, like, it changed the way I see fiction, like, that sort of, like, uh -huh. that level of stuff, you would hear a lot about uh -huh. that, and I probably got maybe 15 or 20% of the way uh -huh. in and was, like, liking it a lot, yeah. but was, like, this, like, this, the style of writing requires so much, like, care and attention to, uh -huh. And, like, you really have to, like, learn how to read that book. Certainly. And I was yes. like, I am not able to do that at this point. So I put it down and never came back to it, despite, uh -huh. like, liking what I had read so yes. far and thinking that I would have had a great experience if I had gotten through the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I don't uh, know. I mean, I like that book a lot, but I do feel like uh, there is sort of... Uh, the stuff he's capable of doing in writing short stories it feels really special to me. Yeah. Uh, beyond yeah, and, that. Yeah, and, and have, yeah, and now having read these short stories, like, I really liked all the short stories that you had us read yeah. for this mm -hmm. one. I thought they were all, like, really interesting and, and entertaining and thoughtful, mm -hmm. um, especially the first two. Right, um, I mean, yeah, that's Mom the thing. Is he is also just, like, very funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mom Bold Action is the one that I enjoyed the most. Um... Yeah, I think I mean just the sort of writer's block frustration humor right. is really good in it. Right. Um, well, and yeah, and he has this like it's a very consistent style, and he like mm -hmm. writes very stream of consciousness from the yeah. point of view of the characters that he's uh -huh. writing about, and like is often like he like often is like self correcting and going back and like uh -huh. like it's like a lot of like all this 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 stylistic stuff. Which I think like really does carry very well in that yes. that the the central character in in the mom, uh, who is a writer but also yes. is you know becomes fixated on this and you see how she is mm -hmm. failing to write and it has this like nice suburban life with a husband and a kid or whatever and then like she start that that the what her child encounters shatters that world that she has built up mm -hmm. and and how she becomes fixated on it and like yeah. 
everything else about her like falls away immediately and in, in terms uh-huh. of like what might make her a good person like yeah, right. this one yeah, this one act the, like, like yes like she and, like it just she just loses all touch with like morality as soon as like this yeah uh-huh. there's this one well, instance I mean, of, this of is, something that invades her world it's sort of a through line of uh it's one of the things that i sort of picked up or not picked up on just like recognizing both uh armageddon time and this and something that i've just been thinking about a lot lately which is how difficult it must be to be a parent um and like the second like she sort of works herself into a tizzy thinking about what possibly could have happened to her kid and uh-huh. she's like they I, they reveal that this the son uh has had like a lung issue and may have some right. other uh yeah. situation going on as well and she's very protective of him yeah. um and then uh, right but also like it becomes i guess pretty cl- clear pretty quickly he's going to be fine well yeah, yeah i mean it's like and, like and then you don't really hear about him again <laughs> yes. except for her like worrying about his relationship to these guys yeah right yes. like it's yeah, sort of like, like he, the the attack that happens is he's like wandered off into the city and gets pushed down by this old man or by he he gets pushed down and falls on his face and like is scraped up and then they have this big you know police mm-hmm. identification scene uh, or segment where it's like uh, the first old guy's there. Right. And he's, like, not sure if it's him. Right. And then an old guy who looks very similar comes in, and it ends up being the cousin. Uh, right. And he just sort of can't make up his mind. Like, he doesn't obviously right. have a memory I of mean, it. Like, and it, it is, it, like... It, you know, it makes sense that you just, like, wouldn't have seen him Well, that, yeah, and you, you wouldn't see behind you. Yeah, right. you would sort of be in right. a state of shock And he's a in kid. a high-pressure yeah. situation yeah. where he's feeling very nervous about being Yeah, in the and even station. having yeah, to be in the police station and answer questions like that also um but then the way that as uh was mentioned they she's broken her writer's block is inspired to write this huge uh apparently extremely powerful essay (laughs) right which like you don't you you don't see the text of the essay but you Mm -hmm. do get the impression that like the things that she's sort of narrating or that that are being narrated in the lead up to her writing the essay or the things that she puts in the essay put in there yeah that are like very basically she just like talks herself into being like actually it would just be fine if both of these people were punished even if we like it's like so clearly right. specious logic. Like I think she even says mm-hmm. at one point, like, "Oh, we we could have put them both in jail, and then at least we'd be fifty percent right." Yeah. But instead, Rather we let them go, and wrong. so we're one hundred percent wrong, which it's just doesn't really... make any sense. Yeah. Right. It's really like narrow. Yeah. And, well, uh... and I was also so struck by the moment where, like, after she reads it again later, and it's like, "This right. is trash." Well, yeah, she's yeah. like, "Oh, Awful. what did I yeah. do?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then also, there's like. There's a scene where she was like, I had a, recalling this memory where she's like, I had to go back. I thought I had a squirrel. I was looking under this bush uh-huh. for the squirrel that I thought I hit and then ran yeah. off and died yeah. under a bush. I'm and such it's a like, good person. Yeah, but then it's also like, <laughs> right. we'll send both of them to jail just in case. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then the husband is also like, you kill so many insects. Like, what do you care? Right. And but, yeah, there is. It feels like there is just kind of this tension in this story of, like, oh, is her sort of a completely, like, myopic, like, almost solipsistic view of the world, like, 
is it facilitated by her, like, needing everything to be a story and, like, needing it mm -hmm. to be, like, a thing she can write about? Uh, sure. Where it's just, like, and I don't know, like, it, you kind of do just get the impression, like, well, she's maybe a bad writer. Uh, sure. But, sure. And that is, I mean, that is the other, that you were talking, Andy, about the moment where she, like, reads it. There is this, like, it's almost unclear whether, like, she reads it and it's like, oh, this is horrifying that I wrote this, or if it's just, like, her reading it and being like, oh, this is terrible writing, how could I do this? Like, it's sure. not, it's sure. not clear to me which, I think intentionally, uh, vague, yeah. which of those is her reaction to it. Yeah. But then there's, there's like, the husband ends up doing this uh -huh. vigilante justice where right. he attacks one of them with a bat, and when he's gone, she gets a call that the one confessed because he felt bad, and then they have to or parlay no, no, this. No, it's the opposite. He didn't feel bad. He caught do he got caught doing something right, else. Right, right, right. And then it's like, yeah, I don't know, the kid seems like kind of a smug piece of shit. Uh, sure, I sure, bet he's right. less <laughs> smug now. Yeah, uh, but um, right. I did a good thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then it, it's just they have to end up. They they find the one that got attacked by the yeah, husband because right. like his mask fell down, or they say yes. bandana, which is like, you know, obviously, um, I think written in twenty twenty at least. Or at the, yeah, at the, he at the wrote earliest. a lot of these uh, earlier. That, uh, you know, he. I think he he doesn't like take a break and then write stories. I think these are, like, kind of the stories he's written since Lincoln and the Bardo came out. Yeah. Um, but but then it's this similar situation to Armageddon time where, like, they're able to use um, right. the police they, as, like, yeah. right. a bartering system where it's, yes. like, the, 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 the people who end up being cousins, both of the suspected attackers, are, like, sons of a... Or, 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 uh, nephews, nephews, of, nephews guy, of this like a business rich guy, like, right? A guy who owns like a Sears, basically, where they're like, sure, yeah. right. she's like, I bought my TV from that piece of shit. I've given him so much money. Yeah. That's so funny. And then she's like, well, yeah. I gave him a couple hundred. Yeah, it was like on yeah. <laughs> um, yes. And it's the same thing in Armageddon time where um, he uh, did I say licorice pizza earlier? Uh, the, no, uh, good. Um, <laughs> it's late. I didn't know. Um, yeah, but he, he uh, strong is like. You know, great little cameo from Dominic Lombardozzi. We love to see those as often as we can, uh, where he is like, didn't you fix, like, my hot water heater or something? And that's uh -huh. how he's able to get Paul yeah. out unscathed. Right. Even right. though, like, already, like it's so obviously right. lopsided in the police station where it's like, Johnny's right. in handcuffs yes. and he isn't. Um, yeah, it, sure. it's it's really yeah. crazy, but um, right. And the deal yeah, that I, happens the, here is that the police, when they're calling here, they're like. Listen, we've been talking with the family. They're just like, you. If you forget it, yeah, <laughs> right. you drop. Everyone the drops it, and everyone's <laughs> happy. Yeah, like, yeah everyone yeah. walks. But then it's like the husband's racked with this guilt, <laughs> right? And then she is just like, "Fuck, we like." In it could have been that, in theory, what might have been justice happened, and instead, like the guy who did it gets off with nothing, and the guy who didn't do it is. Uh, has this limp that she eventually sees him. She so sees I, know, him, I mean, yes, there, yeah. yeah, and there is like, uh, I think more explicit, like general uh, critique of like any uh, 
uh, punitive justice, where, like, she she's going through this uh, thought process about her cousin, uh, yeah. who was just, like, a oh, piece right. of shit and eventually yeah. died. And she does get to a point where she's like, oh, someone should have just dropped the shoe on him. And then she's like, well, there was the time that he got beat up because he... Yeah. Uh, uh, hit a usher who had cancer in a church, and there was yeah, another like, time. He, he this hit this guy time. in a church. Yeah, right. Great who ended up being the most in this beloved. Yeah. I always love yeah. when someone can drop the word narthex in something. That really <laughs> sure. always gets me gets me excited. Right, but anyway, the conclusion that she reaches there, which she's not able to actually extend to the situation that she's in, is like, oh, he actually did face a lot of consequences in it didn't matter he just kept going around being a piece of shit until he died mm-hmm. yeah. uh but then so yeah i don't know that's that one and then uh love letter is like the one that is like still the most challenging for me which like he has talked about like mm-hmm. he wrote that uh, in, like, spring of 2020, when he was just, yeah. like, worried that Trump was gonna get elected again. This is the one that, uh, sure. Stephen Colbert read, uh... Yes, which is so the only the, way I, I consumed the story. I watched the, the reading of it. I, I have done um, both. I read it in the book, and then also, uh, listened to Colbert reading it. And it is, like, it, it was true with the Mom of Bold Action, where, like, having these read versus reading them, there is an extent to which, like, Saunders is so much a master of the written craft that it does come across a little differently when it's being read. Uh, but anyway, so this one, Love Letter, is written as a letter, uh, from this grandfather to his grandson who... It's left vague because the grandfather is, I think, anxious about the stuff that's going on. But basically, it seems like uh, his grandson has friends who have, like, run into some sort of issue with immigration status. And we realize as this is going on that it is set in... uh, It still feels pretty grounded to our world. Like, there are references where it's like, oh, this does feel like it's about... Trump and like what could happen right, yeah. if that keeps going and the it's interesting right. that he wrote it before totalitarian impulse right and it is interesting that he wrote it before January 6th because that obviously right. uh, made it well, much more clear that that was the plan but anyway yeah that like uh, just the US has fallen into that much uh, actual authoritarianism there's the the new party seems to be the loyalist is how they're described. And anyway, yeah. it's him. His his grandson asked him for advice, and his advice that he's starting out with uh, is just like, uh, I don't think you should... Like, his, the, the grandson's three friends have, like, already been detained, and he's just like, I think you should just stay out of this and hold on to what's good, basically. And then... The way that him and Colbert describe it is that it feels like the grandfather kind of talking himself out of it, which was interesting because that is more how I took it the first time. But weirdly for me, hearing Colbert read it, the ending took on more of a 
sinister tone to me almost where the ending is it it mm, ends with him being like uh, uh you know there is there's stuff prior where he's like and you should also think about that like this affects your parents and your siblings and it could affect us if you get if you get involved with this we get involved with this and it does end with him being like and this is all we can think about we very anxiously you know i can understand if you choose to respond to this either way we're thinking about you please let us know what you choose to do and there was an element for me the second time where it was mm-hmm. like i don't you know i don't know that the grandson should necessarily feel comfortable continuing to confide in him just given that like clearly oh. there's like a you know he I don't know it's not clear to me that like that is something you'd be safe doing uh I so I don't know I mean and like I don't know that that was the intention that but yeah it's, it's I just mean, he talks similar... about like go ahead he ha- like talks about towards the end like yeah like having like a certain amount of resources for helping him and like right there's like there is some of that stuff I I don't know the well yeah my impression overall was just like how very sad this one Certainly. was like it was like yes. profoundly sorrowful to me and I think yes. Colbert's performance I thought was really excellent in yes. evoking that emotion in me like yeah. I found it incredibly moving and sad yes uh, and like all the stuff of him reflecting of like well was there something right. he could have done to prevent right. this and like all there that sort is of th- like that yes yeah which I think I think yeah it captures that so well and. It, it like yeah yes and how and i think that really resonates with the armageddon time stuff with it, it with the like how easy it is to fall back and like not resist the system yes like and, yep. and and how much it is like and how like that's really the fundamental like thematic material there of like yes yeah you like it's the, it's it's ultimately going to be much easier for you to just mm-hmm. let the way things are going to go yep. be the way that things go and like and, and yeah, and just how much right. effort and stuff it takes to yes. push it back against that, and like, yeah, and if, like, if it easy, yeah. if it even is possible, if you are like a privileged person, right? Like, I was to, gonna say to yes, have that that's obviously that. how privilege does end up. I think most yeah. feeding into this one of the Saunders uh, stories, or of the ones that we are anyway. Uh, yeah, but i don't know i mean it is you're right that like it is so sad and it is kind of dealing with the sort of anxiety that i think a lot of us have just like it feels like we should be doing something more i think you know people will frame it explicitly as like how will we explain to our grandchildren that we just let this happen uh and i don't know like it is sort of there's ways in which that sort of rings a little like I don't know like to just like obviously people do have that anxiety but like you can do like there are things that could be done like it's hard but like and like I don't there is a line I think in that story where he's just like we did not have the t- there's uh, we did not have the stomach or whatever for the level of extremism that would have been required to counter it and i think there is the acknowledgement in there that's kind of skipped over of like there is something 
uh, at, there is a level of extremism that might be required still now. Yeah. Uh, I think um, my biggest sort of reference points for it as I was reading it, I thought a lot about uh, transit. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that it sort of, it was written pre-January 6th. It feels uh-huh. so much to me. I mean, I, I don't know exactly when it was written. It feels so sort of um, how I feel like a lot of people felt in the sort of wake and the unrest of, uh, like, George Floyd and that sort of the the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. movement becoming right. what it was during that summer of 2020 after uh-huh. everything was sort of just, like, f- felt sort of apocalyptic in its own way. Yes. Where it yeah. was, like... The combination of COVID and uh-huh. sort of, you know, Trump being at its worst, and you know, almost right. uh, it was a, it was an election year. Everyone was yeah. stressed about that, obviously. And then you yeah. have this these horrible things happening, just like as everything else is going on, right? And the the way that it sort of reckons with that, like, what is your part in history? They mention in the mm-hmm. story. That it's like you can look back at a history book and say you would have done the right thing, but it's like mm-hmm. in the moment, are you doing enough? Is it worth the risk? Is it worth, um, you know, uh, the, the, he mentions like that if the person, because it's like three friends of his that are detained in this way, and he's like, the, the grandfather is like, what is, what are you doing uh, to help that wouldn't be? end up being like an empty gesture like you want to make sure like it is worth doing before you do it Mm -hmm. and this the sort of way that he's describing it it is like it's really sad it's really scary um and and it's really truthful like if it it feels like and it's the same thing in armageddon time where it's like that first time uh paul gets uh or johnny gets in trouble for something paul does and he doesn't take the he doesn't stick up for him He's got the guilt, and he, you know, sort of goes to redeem himself to himself, I guess, mm-hmm. at the end, and then it still just, like, doesn't matter. <laughs> and that that sort of... It, it plays a little bit differently in Armageddon Time, obviously. And but it, it's the same sort of idea of just, like, when is, like, it doing... An, are you doing enough ever? When are you doing anything, like, right. to help? And it is something that I feel like a lot of people struggle with, or right. like, have it, to reckon with. Yes, and so absolutely it is like, it is like this very uh, real sort of distillation of the way that a lot of people have been feeling. I think it does, you know, it does, it, it feels frustrating to me to just kind of stop there of like, there has to be something more, but I think that is sort of why uh, it helped me to sort of phrase, uh, frame, sorry, this collection as sort of reflections on just, like, writing and fiction and what that role is of, like, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, sometimes it is enough to sort of crystallize those emotions of how people, uh, are feeling. Yeah. Even if you aren't, um, like, suggesting a solution, which, like, I, you yeah. know, I think this is a thing that uh people you know like it is a 
an, a thing that people think about a lot without coming to any sort of solution that I think a solution does need to be come to on. So it feels frustrating for him not to do that, even though, like, I don't think he should have to do that at all. Like, that's yeah. not really what fiction is, what fiction has to be for. Mm-hmm. Another sort of, um, reference point I had while reading, I had just watched, uh, Chantal Ackerman's News from Home for the first time, um, and it's, you know, writing all these letters from her, uh, receiving all these letters mm-hmm. from her mom, and, uh, thinking about, like, that in the context of this, of just, like, resorting back to writing letters here much more like um out of fear because there's that the the really crazy part where it's like at the beginning of all this he was the grandfather had done a lot of writing and was had pressure put on him by like local police and like uh you know the word gets out there we mentioned that it felt sort of current and as with uh transit i feel like it takes place in a sort of current future in the book it is like the date is listed as like february 22nd uh 2020 blank and like has sort of just uh you know uh, nothing after 2202 in the year um and that that feeling of um Mm -hmm. waiting for a letter i feel like is so palpable and here like Mm -hmm. pouring all this into this letter and like you, the the amount of sort of uh, hope being put into this uh-huh. is, uh, I, I think, really felt. Even though it's also got the the struggle of like we at the beginning or like you know after we sort of felt defeated by these people at n- near the beginning, we just started like doing jigsaw puzzles in our house and not right yeah. didn't attend any of the sort of the marches or whatever they, they they reference in the story. Yeah. Um. Alright. Should we, um... Yeah. So the last the... one, uh, is, uh, called Ghoul, which is the one of the ones that, uh, I had us all read that is the, his sort of, uh, you know, very much his science fiction thing. The premise here that again is slowly uh, revealed yeah. because it's uh, also written in first person and very confined to that point of view is that we eventually figure out it is about this guy who is living in this like kind of amusement park museum y place. Uh, where, like, they have to spend all day acting out, like, the, he's in, like, a hell thing, but there's also, like, a right. Victorian thing and a 50s thing. But you realize, yeah, you figure out eventually that, like, there are no people coming to this, and it is mm-hmm. through... It's never clear how this happened, but it became illegal to discuss the fact that there are no people coming... And, like, you know, there's this... uh, If you talk about it, then someone blows a whistle and everyone Mm -hmm. has to kick you to death. Right, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I was really just, like... Yeah. 
I mean, I yeah, know. it is. This one's yeah. just like it's probably crazy. it's the funniest one. I think. Yeah, sure. the, uh, right. Pretty broad. Um, yeah, and he yeah. does and, uh, he does what I was talking about, where he, like when he is working in the science fiction mode, he like uses language very specifically in a way where like you can see the ways in which language has shifted due to this future right underground society or whatever right in. yeah right yeah um yeah i yeah this one yeah i it was like it it was mostly just amusing to me i didn't like like it like the like social critique and stuff felt like a little less uh-huh. pointed in this one and, yeah like, it was, like, just, i don't like, know I, it was sort of like a, like okay like it's like a vague like 1984 y thing or whatever mm-hmm. like or, or not I mean not not that I've read 1984 but you know it's like you know uh, right sci fi dystopia or whatever well, so like, there's the there is the like sort of surveillance and like right. uh, getting people and like to the forbidden words as, and stuff right and, and like, getting yeah. people to act as you know everyone is sort of acting as a surveillance right. agent the the thing that maybe works more as uh, commentary for me is, like, the... Uh, basically, it sort of functions as a critique uh, uh, of capital and of capitalism, the way of, like, I think we do not uh, question the, like, usefulness of our jobs, and, like, I think there are very demeaning jobs that people have that are, like, not actually useful so there's some of that, and then the, it it continues the sort of theme of like it eventually you see that like this character is writing this in the hopes of, of people being able to read it and some sort yeah. of right uh, it, it, revolution it be, yeah. or liberatory action happening. So I don't know. Right. Yeah, regrettable falsehood. I was trying to find what they call. Oh yeah. The uh, when you say, you know, you speak against the, uh, or speak right. the truth of, like, where they are. Yeah. Because they're in this underground thing, and it eventually is revealed that, like, there, there's a ladder that people go up to dispose of the dead bodies when people uh-huh. are kicked to death. <laughs> and it is also yes. supposedly where the visitors will come from. Yeah. Right. And w- one of the guys went up there and found that, like, it's just, there's just, a, like, the ceiling and then a bunch of dead bodies in a cave yes. up next to the ladder. Yeah. And, uh... The letters start coming back, telling our the main character, the the narrator about this, uh-huh. uh, what it is like up there, and yes, it's right. it's yeah, and there yeah. is like there's a lot of fun world building stuff, like yes. I think all the stuff about how like well someone is providing us with like fresh air and uh-huh. yeah they have like right they but, have food. but like the infrastructure is also falling apart because like it floods all the time and yeah. like they don't know how to but yeah. they're not allowed to talk about that like all, yes. all that sort of stuff yeah like i think all that world building stuff is really fun and like yeah. the way especially like when it is so voicey point of view like yes. that like that the way that he does that um mm-hmm. is, is just like really really enjoyable to sort of like put together yes. like wow like and very very early on, the detail is that like his meal is like hot water with a Kit Kat in it, yeah, boiling broth with right. a single floating yeah, Kit right, Kat. Yeah, right. Yeah. Is what it yes. says. <laughs> yeah, and it's there's like my also slot game. <laughs> yes, there's also this thing about how in order to sort of facilitate this uh, mutual surveillance state, politeness has been weaponized. So there's like a thing early on right. about how like. Most of it is set while he's on break, and then there's this thing where he's talking about where he's like, 
Some, uh, when you're on break, sometimes you just will come across people mating in the middle of the floor. If right. you think it's polite, if you think you can just say nothing and be polite, that's ideal. But you can, right. but then and sometimes he, you feel obligated. Right, to he say, comes like, good for you. Yeah, like... he comes across people who he knows, and yeah, he's like, "Great job going at it, Mister Frame." Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Um. And, yeah, I, I, and figuring out the details of like the various tableaus and rooms and stuff that they're yeah, yeah, the, I, yeah. The, some of that stuff is really it's really uh-huh. rich. There's a Western one. There's a yeah. Like it's a almost like Westworld. Victorian <laughs> one or whatever. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah the, the one about the marriage breaking apart because she won't stop doing a Cockney accent. <laughs> That's <laughs> really funny. Yeah. That's a great yeah. detail. <laughs> there's also there's a really funny detail in. I mean, it's it's morbidly funny in its own way in mm-hmm. uh love letter where it's like obliquely talking about trump and it's like imagine a guy walks into a party <laughs> right. and shits on the floor it's like yes. if no I'm one sure. says anything to him and he just right. does it he's like some people object, right not no one stops him and he does it again right people right. start getting more into it and it's like then he yes. shits on the table and everyone's like clapping for him yeah <laughs> and it's, like, and it's just like yeah. all right he's allowed to take as many jumps yeah. as he wants wherever he wants yeah, it's like no one good... stopped this when they could, have, yeah. and it sort of got yeah. out of hand. Um, yeah. it, it reminded me of the uh, classic uh, John Mulaney, like Trump being a horse in a hospital, where it's like sure. the horse used the elevator. Is the horse smart right. now? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Sometimes it's like we got It's like let's send uh, a, a horse catcher to get the guy, and then the horse holds a press conference and goes, "I have fired the horse catcher." <laughs> Uh, yes. I mean, it's yeah, a great, I mean, it's a great <laughs> bit. Yeah, he, right. It it's it's funny. It actually he it reminds me very much of a joke that he brought up that he couldn't actually tell when he was on Colbert, uh, where he was asking him about how he decides what to write, and he was like, "Well, I can't think about it too much because there is an excitement that comes out of figuring out." There's this writer who says that. Uh, and it's clear that this is what he is, even though he can't say it. You can say, I'm going to write a poem about two dogs fucking. And then you can write a poem about two dogs fucking. And it might be a good poem about two dogs fucking. But it's just going to be a poem about two dogs fucking. Sure. That you can see how, like, he is... He, that's the type of uh, joke that influences yeah. him. Yeah, I, yeah. I really like um, what it what Ghoul does with the uh, the relationship between the narrator and this woman who like uh-huh. is ratting out the wrong person uh-huh. so they can because stay together. Because she has a crush on him. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Like, and then he's like, "Well, I don't really find her that cute, but like, it's not polite to tell her." Right. And then he's like, "Oh wait, I do find her cute. Yes. Like now that she is like keeping me alive." Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and and the, it's like. He rats out the first guy because right. he was going to, like, if you're the first person to, like, come right. forward against the, the very, other person and involved yeah. in the transgression or whatever, they're the only one who gets punished. And it's, it's like, right. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, it's like right of first refusal, almost. Like, you're, uh, right. you're, you're in there first, so you're in the clear. But it's like... The, the way that she sort of abuses that system and it's like yeah. let's get in on this like on the ground floor so we aren't in trouble at all and be yes. like they said the thing they aren't supposed to say and when they do it to the uh to the to the cockney lady i believe right no is 
Is that the Cockney woman it's who the, was It's friends? not the Cockney woman. It's the woman who the that he saw having sex with Frank. Cheating. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And he and, and and she's like, I didn't say that. She said that. Like. Right. And then she's the only one who goes up. Um, right. Yeah. But yeah, I think I, I I think it's um, the ending of it being this mm-hmm. sort of like, here's my like. I, I printed all these right, 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 yeah. copies of these letters explaining what is up top and, uh, you know, getting it and out hope, there. Right. And hopefully it gets spread mm-hmm. around enough that, yeah. yeah. It's sort of, yeah, thing. also touches on that, like, yeah. what are you leaving behind as your legacy? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah. And even, like, here where it is, like, almost farcical, like, what's going to happen in this, you know, made-up underground <laughs> that they're in. Right. Um, but it is like uh, I I was I, it's like it, it did fit very in line with what I had been thinking about with regards to Armageddon time as well. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting stuff. I'm glad. Yeah. Uh-huh. I thank you for suggesting this pairing, Jesse. It was a lot of fun. We're too. finally gonna. Do I mean, I, yeah. I for, uh, yeah. It was. It was. It was a great motivation for me to actually read something. Is because uh-huh. I feel like all my reading is like deadline motivated by either like I want to read this before the movie or TV show comes out, or yeah, I need to read it to discuss it on the podcast now. Like there's like I need that deadline. I was. Know, so. I was having this thought like when I was. Uh, we're all in our reading era, as we've discussed in our blog <laughs> sections the past few weeks or months, even mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. Uh, and I was like looking at the books I own that I like bought, and I'm like, oh, I gotta have this book, and I'll read it, and it like sits on the shelf, collects dust, whatever, tales all this time. And I was like, I gotta get books that aren't movies eventually. <laughs> where I'm like, <laughs> I know Ooh. this is the th- like I feel very guilty. Where yeah. I'm, like, so much of my reading is motivated, like, well, I got a deadline. I got to read it before. Well, yeah, the but thing even just down, like, like, I'm like, ooh, now I, I'm going to read Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy because I love the movie <laughs> so much. Sure, <laughs> or it's yeah. like, yeah, and like reading. Yeah, no, I mean, I've been doing a ton of Dilla lately. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On that I mean, look, note, maybe we do, do we... White Noise, White Noise. Read the I book, mean, watch maybe. the movie. On that note, do we want to move into. Uh, special presentations sure. can I just say something about the short oh, story please? yeah uh, like, I hate them I hate reading yeah, now they, they, <laughs> they, they fucking stink now uh, I guess I, it's sort of hard for me to say what I thought of them qualitatively I think there are some nice pieces of writing in them but I, I think the best piece of writing in any of them is like towards the end of love letter when he's like well, I don't know. Like, I guess you may, I guess you're maybe involved with this person, so you're maybe. Mm-hmm. So this is mm-hmm. maybe not as like cut and dry yeah. as I thought it was. Because mm-hmm. I think that's sort of what the if there is any sort of link between these stories and Armageddon time is. It's sort of like this weird, the weird like tragedy of just like this hierarchy of caring mm-hmm. of just like how mm. you can extend the level of empathy to people who you are like uh-huh. sort of taught to care for and and like are your priorities and how that sort of trumps any level of caring you can extend to other people who might be sort of in their way mm-hmm. and I think that's sort of like a lovely way to turn the end of that story where he just like well, I guess this isn't just like easy for you to do because you might be yeah. more involved with this person. But it all, but it also highlights like his way of thinking of just like, yeah. being like, 
of him almost thinking like you're him applying a level of logic that is like in itself sort of sort of like contradicting what the letter is because he is sort of writing a letter to protect somebody he cares about Mm -hmm. telling him to not protect somebody he cares about right Mm -hmm. yeah Uh uh-huh and it, 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 how you can sort of up, it's like the logic of not caring is sort of like a devastating thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like that's kind of what the Mama Bold action too is like. Not and it's all of them is like not being able to uh, extend uh, empathy or just like see other people as people like beyond this fear uh, is sort of just this tragedy that can't be gotten past. And then Mama Bold Action, I th- just thought about the Cecily Strong, I think you should leave <laughs> sketch <laughs> while reading it. Which one's that one? The one it's where, like where yeah. he gets he gets made fun of the stand by the stand of oh, comedian. Right, 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 right. Uh, yes, <laughs> the magician. Yeah, yeah. talks about having a little dick. Yeah, yeah. He's and yeah. she's just like you piece of shit. You didn't stand up for yourself. I'm gonna leave you. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it really... where it's like yeah, the magician who's like an insult comic also. Yeah, sort of just like roast him when he's on stage. She's like, I can't believe you took that in public. Like, well, yeah. She's like. The kids can see you want to be kids. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, but it was just it that really... thought when it was like, yeah, it's like, like the twist of the story, which where it's just like the the dad goes out and yes. decides to get his revenge. And like right. they his... talk about like what if he get beat up? <laughs> like he very easily like he didn't really hit the guy <laughs> right. well. Yeah. Right, he like dropped the bat immediately and like it fell off the bridge. Right. right? Yeah. Well, no, and he threw the bat. Yes. Yes, he threw it off a bridge. There is also a thing that uh, I think she that is is narrated that I assume is in the essay where she's like, "Oh, in a bygone era, he would have just like pulled the cop aside and been like, we can just take care of this,' and they would have just yeah. taken both of the guys outside and beat them up." And presumably, that is the actual thing that uh, leads him to do that. Sure. Yeah. That that sort of being called out, mm-hmm. needing to. Yeah. Of fight like back not, against the reputation, yeah. yeah. Not asserting um, his masculinity. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, there was just a, yeah. a, a few quick things that I... Sure. And all this ancillary yeah. Armageddon time material I read that I thought were interesting or funny in their own way. Um, th- there's this thing that Greg keeps touching on in these interviews where he's like, I put this on the camera... So if ever we forgot about, like, what we were trying to do, we could look at it. And it was just the words written of, uh, that it was warmth, humor, love, and loss as, like, the four touchstones that he was using for the movie and, like, what to remind everyone of. And I think you can basically find those tenets in all of his films. Um, maybe not warmth as much, but, uh, I do think even though, like, I said on Twitter that he's, like, that the movie did get dogged sort of by its marketing, but I think he's maybe he his movies are always going to be too yeah. sad to ever be too you, popular. Yes. You can't um, make it a yeah. movie. But yeah, uh, and it's like I I sort of wrote about this in my can piece where it's like 
James Gray has this problem where if like if you look at any of his movies, just like not knowing anything about him, if you just like saw like a DVD cover of his movies, you'd be like, "This is the most generic shit yeah, ever made." You'd be night. like, well, "This movie, this movie is called Two Lovers." Yeah, you look at the DVD right. box for We Own the Night, and you'd be like, "This is is this like a contraband sequel? What is this movie?" <laughs> and then it's just like. And then that isn't helped on the other end, but like if you did right. were compelled by that, then you watch the movie and then it's just like this is just like people being sad for yeah. like two hours. Right. These are just like yeah. people having fa- daddy issues. Right. Yeah, everyone being but, sad I mean, and like disappointing yeah. their family. <laughs> yes. I think yeah. the thing is that like obviously this movie is never was never gonna make money, but I do yeah. think there's a world where like it doesn't get this marketing where it is better received by critics at least. Yeah. Um, and then, like, uh, I think that Hathaway, I I don't know if I said enough about how good I think she is, uh, and, like, what she does as part of the system of, like, uh, there's, like, the scene where she's, like, talking to the principal after he gets caught smoking the joint, Mm -hmm. and she's, like, changing her voice to sound more waspy, and, uh, it's echoed in that scene where they, like, I, b- I believe it's the same scene after they go to the movies uh, and they're driving down and they, like, are going through this nicer neighborhood and she's like, these houses are so big, who needs all that much? And she's like, but they are so nice! And, like, even herself can't, you know, resist the urge of capitalism or whatever. Like, needing mm-hmm. more and more and needing the biggest thing. Um, I do I do think uh, Banks Repetta is really good. I think... Um, I'm sort of on the other side of what Emilio said, where I f- do think he is, like, I, I I just am choosing to read it as, like, a very gifted natural performance rather than just, like, he may have gotten lucky and, like, found, like, it, it is just, like, a kid. I think it works that it he is, feels just like a normal kid and, like, mm-hmm. the way that, the scene where they firing the rocket and he's like, yeah, I mean, um, this sort of thing happened and, like, there's a scene where he talks to the, I think it's the art teacher, um, where it's like a one-on-one, and he's sort of explaining what he's been going through at school so far that day, or whatever, and the, his his speaking patterns, I think, are so, uh, yeah, uh, so, like, on point, like Jesse was saying, of, like, a specific mm-hmm. type of kid. Yeah, um, for sure, yeah, like, the intellectual kid. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, like, his, such an interesting thing, like. The way that he is, like, erudite in his own way, and that he's a painter, right. and that he... Yeah, and I mean, and that's we didn't really talk about it, but the right. the and thing, he, uh, right? When he's like, "Well, I did nothing, of course." Like the way he says, "Of course," and yeah, he, I think is like so. And like mm-hmm. his uh, Hopkins, I, I think Gray's real grandfather also like w- had spent time in England uh, or in the UK mm-hmm. and had an accent, like and like the thing of always calling him my good man, and like uh-huh. uh, th- there's a scene like in right after the the principal. Uh, where he's like, you're the president, you can get me off of this, like, okie dokie, I don't care, and is, like, trying to be, like, you know, still cool, and that's when Hathaway is like, you need to, like, cut it out, <laughs> like, you're being a mm-hmm. shithead. Um, and, uh, there's also just, uh, you know, similar to the um, the idea of Jeremy Strong having James Gray record his dad <laughs> uh, answering this Proust questionnaire, and that, um, that, that New York Film Fest Q&A uh, Jeremy Strong's like, you know, James read to me the end of In Search of Lost Time, uh, and he was reading me this quote, and like, and then he goes, I think Harold Pinter said, and he like uh, is going on another thing, 
Um, and Gabe Gray's like, you know, we're about to get, you're going to get us ridiculed, bringing up Proust and Pinter, mm-hmm. and uh, the thing that Jeremy Strong says, which is like such a perfect Jeremy Strong quote, where he's like, what are we doing if not risking ridicule? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> you, you sucker. <laughs> and I think like he, that energy of his is, uh, I, I think, like I said earlier, a similar energy in Hathaway. And I think they bring it through perfectly in the parents and there's this bit where they are like uh they're they're talking about uh what games gray how he directed them like what sort of uh notes he gave them and the big one is like uh never try to nail it was the thing that he kept saying like don't nail it because then it's not honest and then also the character descriptions where it's like jeremy strong and hathaway have perfect timing where he's like I was uh, Jewish Stanley, uh, Stanley Kowalski with a PhD, and Anne Hathaway just goes, I was earthy, and like the crowd goes wild, <laughs> the Lincoln Center crowd like on their feet, and it's really uh, a great moment, and they, they both yeah. nail it, and James Gray's like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. It is, like, int- I guess it's like almost going too back into the conversation, sorry, but sorry. it is interesting that, like, that, that like, uh, Sort of Armageddon time and love letter are almost sort of about a similar period of time mm-hmm. where it's like Armageddon time, the title of the movie is sort of referring to Reagan. Reagan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is sort of this idea they're having of, of just like their perceived liberalness of, of just being at like hating Reagan. Mm-hmm. Right. And they like, scoff at him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, but they're like, obvious inaction or not even inaction like you could argue that they took negative action towards johnny and like, yeah, his mean, relationship and towards even Paul. like offhandedly strong's like racist when he's like makes racist jokes about the the chinese food place when he's gonna order dumplings right. and, like yeah and it is that that's that thing like you're saying where they're like you know to a lesser extent in love letter i think but where they're doing both things and mm-hmm. uh, reckoning with that um but yeah, I, I think uh, bo- all that we talked about today is worth your yeah. time, listener. If you uh, <laughs> for sure, and, and I'm so gonna finish. I'll finish. I was the gonna say yes. Book. So is the rest of the book. It's all good. I was just trying to kind of right, narrow right, it right, down, right. We, get yeah, across. We, we're, we're busy people. We only have so much time to be reading yeah. books for this thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would love to to pick up the rest of it. Quick special presentations if we're all wrapped up. Yeah, let's go really quick, I think, because I think... Yeah. I've got a quick um, one. I can just drop it like that. Go for it. I watched Truman Show for the first time in, like, 15 years yesterday, and I think that thing is just perfect. I was really mm-hmm. floored by how good it is, and uh, I think, mm-hmm. you know, a similar thing of uh, that we've been talking about of, like, what is your life's legacy? What have you lived? And, like, in this movie where he has not had any you know, choices of his own made, basically, <laughs> the idea. I mean, it, I, I feel like people have said this, that it's, like, just a movie about turning 30 or something, and, like, you're, the, the, his feeling of breaking out. Like, I, I had very small memories of what happened in the movie, uh, and when I rewatched it the other day, or yesterday as we are recording this, uh, I it, like, starts basically, like, as soon as he gets to his office... Um, he's like looking up Fiji, and like I think the reveal of why he's looking up Fiji is so heartbreaking. Um, not to get into a whole discussion about the treatment show, but I, I, I it's just great, yeah. and it's like one of those movies that is has this sterling reputation as like a great movie that I think a hundred percent deserves it because it is 
a lot uh, more idiosyncratic than I think people give it credit for. Because it's like a Peter Weir movie. It's like, it's not going to be junk. Uh, well, I'll just keep going with uh, the process I've gone on, which is that, uh, as I was saying, I, I there is a frustration of just, like, there does have to be, like, a thing that we do. Uh, and so I have been reading uh, Pedagogy of the Oppressed uh, by Paulo Freire, who's a Brazilian uh, academic, uh, just out of just that need of feeling like, and, you know, I, I in the school that I'm at, it is just a thing that's constantly coming up of, like, okay, I feel like I should just read this. And it is, like, that is a book about praxis and about the ways, the way in which uh, what is required to destroy an oppressive system. So it does, like, it's theory and it's there's Marx and Hegel and whatever, but, like, it, it is worth actually reading that, I think. Yeah, we should uh, we should talk about theater of the press at some point, Jesse. Mm. Uh, sure, uh, this is a big thing, big thing in college for me. Augusta Boal. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, uh, I will go next. Uh, I I'm just gonna. I've had a really busy week, weirdly, with live events. I saw two live events in this last week, so I just want to shout them out both quickly. One of which already came up a little bit. Uh, I saw the John Mulaney tour uh, from scratch, which he's doing right now. Uh, very different stuff from him, obviously. He's been going through a lot of life changes, which I'm sure you've heard about. Uh, it, he gets into a lot of one aspect of it in this show, which I thought was extremely funny. There's a really, really killer uh, bit involving uh, an extended Al Pacino impression that he does uh, that I think is uh, really terrific. So if he's coming near you, I think he's worth the, the, worth the hassle of uh, the weird ticket prices and the having to put your phone in a pouch and all that sort of thing. Um, uh, and then the other thing is I, I saw the, the tour of Hamilton was in town, so I got to see that again for, uh, third time live, and I was was not, he, uh, was enjoying his time with his family, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, uh, uh, we could talk about, actually, I want to talk about that later with you privately, but anyway, um, (laughs) the, uh, uh, no, okay, fine, Uh, (laughs) but I was like, I was like, it was like Sunday after a whole work week or whatever. Uh, Sunday evening, I had this ticket to see the show. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll see Hamilton again. I'll have a great time. And then, like, was, like, instantly, like, weeping at the opening number because I forgot, uh, like, how powerful I found. I find that material and, like, the act of a bunch of people putting that on. Like, I just find, like, it's it's a weird, like, I definitely have quibbles and things with that show. But, like, it does have a weird power, I think, that, like, is just, like undeniable to me and like i find it so i found it so like moving to like sit and experience that whole show in a crowd especially a sunday night crowd where there were still like a bunch of like young people there at the theater with their families and stuff uh yeah like and like i noticed like the 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 cast like trying to connect with some of those young people especially from the stage uh so yeah uh hamilton still worth your time i think i think it's uh it's a really, uh, it's a, it's an, it's an incredible object, I think, if nothing else. Emilio, anything? Uh, I've still been busy. Sure. Just doing application stuff. I watch Eyes Wide Shut. That movie's great. I never watched it before. So good. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly do not need me to tell you that Eyes Wide Shut is as good as the people say. 
That's all. All right. Uh, if you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, you can do so at Can I Kick It, even though Twitter's dying. Um, and then you yeah. can follow us on Letterboxd or Instagram or Substack. Uh, uh, no, Letterboxd or Instagram at CIKI Pod. Yeah. Uh, 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 Hop on the TikTok. Can, yeah, TikTok. <laughs> can I take it? You can email us at can I kick it pod at gmail dot com. Maybe with Twitter dying, someone will email us. That'll be cool. Sure. Yeah. Maybe. Elon Musk. I mean, no. Listen. I mean, we've talked about maybe having a website. If you're interested sure, in sure, seeing that, donate to the coffee. Yeah. Yes. The coffee, which you can donate to at ko fi dot com slash can i c a n n e s i coffee dot com slash can i and our theme song is by Tree Related, who's on SoundCloud at Tree Related and Spotify as well. I'm on Twitter for now at Gladly. <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing that bit yeah. until people stop and, complaining about Twitter dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Andy. And I'm on Twitter forever at Andy T. Jer. <laughs> Whoa. I'm on Truth Social. <laughs> um, <Shut> Amelia. <laughs> uh, I'm Left Alone. I laugh alone on Letterbox. And Jesse. JCP Glick Weber Weber has two Bs. And with that, I will release our audience. Bye. Hooray, bye.